0: Well, it's good to be together this morning, and I wanted to look with you at another of the precious Psalms that we've been looking at together, and um, it, the one we're going to look at is fairly appropriate, considering how we've been separated for our, from our sanctuary for a time, and yet the Lord's kind of bringing us back, and uh, now we're able to meet again. At least we have that ability, not everyone does. Um, but I was mentioning last week how the Psalms can help us glimpse a little bit of the the heart of the writers, their cry to the Lord, and you know their desire, their longings, and their prayers. And um, this Psalm that we're going to look at, Psalm 84, also does that. And and the the writer is expressing his longing to be back. In the presence of the Lord, his longing to be back for the in the courts of the Lord, and to be in his presence and to gather together and and showing how there can be great strength that happens when we're able to do that. And and so as as far as who wrote this psalm, I was just kind of studying it out. It's a little tricky. People have their opinions and so forth. It's, you know, um it's ascribed to the to as written for the priests. Um, some attribute it to King David, perhaps when he had to flee from Jerusalem from his son Absalom, um, but it's not certain. But others say perhaps one of the priests wrote it, who ministered at the tabernacle, and you know they had the they had the priestly courses that that one month was their month to go minister in the tabernacle, and then another one, and so they're thinking perhaps you know one was longing to go and minister to the Lord in His presence in the tabernacle but uh, it definitely represents someone who longed to be in the presence of the Lord, to long to be in the courts of the Lord. And um, in any case, it definitely represents someone who is spiritually a priest coming to minister to the Lord. And we can relate to that because we're called to be kings and priests, a royal priesthood, as, as Peter says, to minister unto the Lord and um, and so the inscription says, to the chief musician upon Gitteth, a psalm for the sons of Korah. Um, it's thought that Gitteth was, uh, uh, it's actually, I think they, they think it's a harp. It's not exactly certain. It's its only used a couple times, um, but it was used in worshiping the Lord. And And so let's read this. Let's read the first verses here, Psalm 84, verses 1 through 4. It says, how amiable or how lovely are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The sparrow has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee. And so the psalmist is expressing a deep longing, a deep desire and an appreciation for the courts of the Lord and for gathering together with the saints in the presence of God and for experiencing God as, as they come together corporately. And, you know, there's something about gathering together in the presence of God that can't really be reproduced. It's nice when we can watch videos of, you know, of preaching and teaching and, and you know, you can even watch a corporate gathering and there's something like, man, I wish I could have been there. I wish I I could experience something because, you know, even on the videos, there's still, it's not quite the same. You can still, the Holy Spirit can still speak to you and open your eyes to wonderful truths, but there is a difference about being in the courts of the Lord and in his presence as we're gathered together. And you know it's as if god is encouraging us the lord is encouraging us to that point in matthew 18 and verse 20 it says for where two or three are gathered together in my name there i am in their midst and you know he says when more are gathered now thankfully it doesn't have to be hundreds or thousands right for him to to come in their midst it just has to be two or three but yet god's showing us the power of corporate worship of worshiping the lord as we gather together it gives opportunity for a greater experience of his power and his spirit to flow why is that it's because god says i will be in the midst of them i am in the midst of them and we're trusting for god to fully restore that in the church but of God being in our midst. And that's really what the, the longing is about in the psalmist that there's a separation there and he longs for to, to come back and, and experience the presence of the God and presence of the Lord. Maybe that's one of the benefits of, of the COVID thing is there's a new appreciation. Well, I'm, I'm ready to come back to church, Lord. <laughs> I want to be there to experience the presence of God in our midst. And so, you know, maybe the Lord was working in our hearts so that our heart and our flesh would cry out for the living God. Verse 3, it talks about the the swallow and the sparrow finding a a place of nesting in the altars of the Lord. And, you know, they are birds that, that travel, but they also make a specific home. They make that nest and they make it their home for a season in order to to have their young and and so the, the psalmist talks about making a home in the tabernacle of the Lord. And you know, that's what we want to cry out, Lord, would you cause your tabernacle, your presence to be my home? That I would feel like, oh, this is this is my home. I've often shared how wonderful it is to go around the world and tra- travel. And you know, we've ministered in a few places uh around the world and some countries and uh, but it's it 's amazing you can be in a different culture with a different language. sometimes they dress different, they definitely eat different and all sorts of these different things that are foreign to how we grew up and uh and so forth some of them we really like we, we like some of the food at some of these places and different things but but yet it's it's di- it's different it 's a different culture it's it's foreign to us at times, but you know there have been times when then we go to church. And we walk into church, and it's in a different language, but we still feel like we're at home because the presence of God comes, and we can worship the Lord together with him. And, and that's wonderful because his dwelling place is our home, and his sanctuary is our home, and that's where we find fruitfulness when we make the presence of God our home because that's where the, the birds nest, and, and it says, and there they lay their young. There they reproduce because they've made the presence of God, the altar of God, their home. And so we, we want to be full and fruitful in the presence of God by making that our home, both individually and corporately, as we come together. And, you know, it will, it'll affect our outlook in life too. It'll cause us to lift our eyes to the Lord in praise and and see how the Lord's working in each of our lives. We can we can see God, oh, he worked in that brother or sister's life, and he's gonna work in my life. And we have that fellowship together. We see God working. And verse four it says, Blessed are they that dwell in the house of in thy house. They will still be praising thee. They will still be praising thee. You know, those that dwell in the house of the Lord and make it their home. Literally or figuratively, well, you're not going to come and live here, right? You don't, we don't want anyone sleeping over in the church, but in our hearts, it can be our home that we look to coming together because, to gather together to see each other and have good fellowship. But in the presence of God, that is our home, and it says they will still be praising thee. It's that thought of continuity, continuing. They will still, and that's what we desire most, to continue, to keep going, to not give up, to cross the finish line, rejoicing and praising the Lord. And how does that take place is when the presence of God is our home. They'll still be praising Thee, so that when we ultimately get home to our eternal home, right, we'll have that joy. That gladness as we cross our our finish line and and we hear those wonderful that wonderful phrase, "Well done, good and faithful servant," enter into the joy. Enter into the joy because well, you've made it your home on earth, so it's going to be very familiar, and, we're, and it's going to be awesome when you finally get home. But we have to make that our home here on earth. Now, continuing on in uh, in Psalm eighty four, let's read verses five through seven recognize these verses. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also fills the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appears before God. And so you get the picture of someone coming unto God. It says appearing in Zion, in his dwelling place before him. And and one of the key elements portrayed here is strength. Coming to the, the household of God, the dwelling place of God, and there is strength. You know, one of the names of God's house is the house of prayer, right? We, we know Jesus quoted that from Isaiah. You know, his house is to be a house of prayer. And Isaiah 56, 56 and verse 7 says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. But you know from what we're reading in Psalm 84 and talks about God's house, you could you could also say, I'm not making new scripture, I'm just inferring here, but you know you could also say that God's dwelling place could also be called a house of strength because we go from strength to strength as we appear before him as we continue on in the way of his dwelling place in the way of Zion. And so that's that wonderful picture of progression. They go from strength to strength, to strength. Everyone who appears before God in his dwelling place and those who will appear before him in, in eternity in, he- in heaven, they have become strong. They have become mighty in God. The question is, what is this progression that they're talking about? What What's taking place in this progression? Well, verse six, who passing through the valley, of baka, that doesn't really mean much to us in English, does it? Baka, right? I mean, we don't we don't have anything similar, and there's no meaning for it. The rain fills the pools, but the Hebrew word here is a little obscure. It's not used very much, um, but it's it's difficult to the, obtain the exact meaning. But it's generally translated as weeping or tears. Weeping or tears. And so it's those who have progressed from strength to strength will have time where they pass through the valley of tears, where they have a season or an experience. And so we have that relationship between these two concepts of strength and sorrow. And in the natural, that's kind of hard for us to like, strength and sorrow, how do they, what do they have to do with each other? How, you know, it's kind of hard to see the connection. Um, I was, Look at this verse in Psalm 119 and verse 28 that shows a little bit of this connection. The psalmist who loves the word of the Lord says this. He says, my soul melts for sorrow. That's a tough situation. If your soul is melting for sorrow, you must, that you must have had some experience that sorrow is just kind of crushing your soul. And then he cries out, Lord, strengthen me according to your word. Oh, there's a link. It's that in times of sorrow, in that valley, the psalmist is moved to cry out to God and say, Lord, I need your strength. It's not necessarily like that if you have sorrow, all of a sudden you have strength. It's that when you experience sorrow, it moves your heart to cry out to God, oh, Lord, I need your strength, and that it's an opportunity to receive the strength of the Lord. Lord, pour fresh strength upon me to continue according to your word. And it's as if he's renewed with strength. And it kind of seems from Psalm 84 as if in order to ascend the mountain of strength, we first have to go through the valley, the valley of sorrow, the valley of tears, Another concept of of this word baca is some commentators have associated it with uh, a tree in the Middle East that it can kind of relate to this word um, because there's a a certain Middle Eastern balsam tree that if it's if it's pierced it will uh, produce sap that comes from that wound and what the sap the purpose of the sap is to cover it. Cover the wound so it doesn't get an infection in the tree, and so it'll it'll seep the the sap, and it and it rolls down the tree, and when it dries, it looks like a tear, and so they they call that uh, I think they called it the tears of the sun or something is how they've referred to it, but it's that thought of a tear, and from that sap of the balsam, they actually um, that's where they think that the balm of Gilead or some of the ingredients for the balm of Gilead are obtained. And so this balsam tree, the only way to get this healing sap is for it to be cut or pierced. And then the sap can flow. You know, the sap is the mechanism of protection. And, you know, Jesus is kind of a picture of that for us. And in Isaiah 53, in verse three, it describes him as a man of sorrow. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was pierced through for us. His stripes were for our healing. And so to come to his house of strength, we will at times have to follow his pattern or his example for us where we are pierced at times through with uh, or bruised or pierced with sorrow. But in that, we have the opportunity, as the psalmist says, My soul melts back in in Psalm 119.28. My soul melts for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. That sorrow can be transformed. It can be turned into a balm of healing. And Those of you who watched Sarah's video on the God of the Valleys, she shared a story that that we've always kind of held this dear to us because we knew um, this missionary family and they came home on furlough and uh, got the terrible news that their daughter had cancer, and it that you know that was so such a blow to them and such a heaviness because they had been serving the Lord for many years. They come back and they've got this, you know, pronouncement of cancer, and 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 the dad was sharing how the missionary was sharing how he came into this church service and was so heavy with that, and the worship praise and worship service started and. Music started and the Lord spoke to his heart, I want you to rejoice. I want you to dance. That's the last thing he felt like doing to dance in the presence of the Lord when his daughter had just been just told his daughter had cancer. And it was a struggle. But he just felt the Lord kept keep emphasizing it. I want you to dance. And so he started to obey. He didn't feel like it. So he started to move his feet and so forth, doing his best to enter in. But there came a point, he said, when all of a sudden that sorrow just fell away and upon him came joy, a joy he'd never really experienced before, to be able to rejoice in God in that way. And he said he just danced and had such a wonderful time. God met with him as he was passing through that valley of sorrow it was turned into a new strength, you could say. The heaviness was put off, and he danced before the Lord with all his might, kind of like David. Uh, of course, the end of the story is that his daughter was eventually healed. Praise the Lord! But you know, we've shared that story in many places, and it's like a bomb that can be shared with people, and it's soothing, and it's it puts their it causes us to trust in God and realize he's good and he, meet, he wants to meet with us. He wants to heal us. He wants to deliver us. It can restore our soul and cause us to look afresh to God. You know, God desires to do those things in our lives and to get, give us a, you know, well, we might have some experiences of sorrow, of bruises and so forth, but he wants to produce a new strength, a new balm within us. And it cannot just be for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. Now, back in verse 6 of Psalm 84, it describes it also as a well, as a well. And, you know, it says, passing through the Valley of Baca, they make it a well. They make it a well. It is not a well. They have to make it a well. You know, so another way of looking at the difficult experiences we pass through, it's kind of like a valley that's dry. There's no source of water. And so they've got to get it. It's down there, but they got to get at it and dig for it. And in order to survive, to overcome, they have, you know, sometimes we're in a situation where we have to dig to get life from the Lord. We have to spend a lot of time seeking Him and crying out to Him and, you know, reading his word and studying and just to get life in the situation and to overcome. I always remember a story Pastor Bailey shared of he was he had to deal with something really difficult. And, and you know, whenever he met with this person, his, it just provoked his spirit. And he said he had to pray for like two hours before he went to meet with this person so he wouldn't lose his temper. Or, you know, sometimes you have to dig to meet with God, and to get the strength to overcome. But as we do that, as we dig out those wells, we get fresh, living water that can flow in us and through us. And that, that flow comes as our we have a new depth, a new rea- reality of our relationship with Christ because we've dug a well. I was thinking about the patriarchs. Yeah, that's something that it kind of says about them. They all dug wells. Right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They all dug wells. And they traveled throughout the promised land for many years and they would dig wells and here and there. But I was just thinking, you know, the only trace they left on that land were the wells. Now they built some altars here and there, but they weren't really much to speak of. They were kind of stone, they piled some stones and that was their altar. But really, the only trace that that lasted, unless the Philistines filled them in, was a well. They left nothing else, no buildings, no grand edifice or anything. That's that's what they left. And that's a good picture of what God desires in our lives. You know, some have the goal of leaving leaving a great legacy to, you know, to be remembered for doing great things or whatever, or accomplishments or you know, passing on a great estate to their heirs, or whatever the goal is, you know, for other people. But it's, but what those who are great in God's sight, they simply have left a lot of wells, not just for their benefit, but wells that other people can drink from, as they look at their lives and see how they walked with God, and and hear the stories of how they overcame. Like with that missionary, that's that's a well that keeps on giving, you know, whenever you share that story, because they met with God, they dug down deep, you know, and I just think, Lord, I want to leave, I want to leave a few wells or have wells that people can drink from that will be a, b- a blessing and a benefit or will be a balm of Gilead. And so we can pray, Lord, would you cause me to have a well that would satisfy me, but would be a blessing to others that I can leave behind a wells, as the patriarchs did. Now, just some last verses here, remaining in Psalm eighty-four. It's verse eight, it says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold, O God, our shield, look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Than to, than to dwell in the tents of wickedness, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly, O Lord of hosts. Blessed is the man that trusts in Thee. And the cry of the psalmist is, "Lord, let Your face look upon me." You know, look upon, uh, or look upon the face of Your anointed one. You know, that's what we're really looking for—the gaze. Of the Almighty upon us, His pleasure, His presence with us, and to dwell forever. It doesn't matter what we do; we just want to remain in that in the, His presence and please Him, whatever He asks of us. The psalmist says, "Lord, I'm just c- content to be a doorkeeper, just to to stand at at your door, of your house." You know that was a, actually a position of the priests. The priests, in some of their um, duties, some would just stand at the door of the house, the doorkeeper. They were appointed by David. They would minister to the Lord, and um, they were kind of standing as watchmen at the door. It was a place of service to God and to man. And there's a verse in Proverbs I just want to look at here. Yep, last verse. Verse in Proverbs 8 and verse 34. It says, blessed is the man that hears me, is the Lord speaking, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. So the psalmist is saying, I'd rather spend one day serving the Lord, doing his will, standing at his posts, listening to his word, than a thousand days in the rich dwellings of the wicked. How many in the world would say that? Just to spend one day, and it, it just says in Proverbs, I, just waiting, one day waiting, listening, trying to hear His voice, just waiting in His presence, reading His words, searching His scriptures. You know that's kind of challenging to me because I sometimes I'll oh, gotta do my Bible reading. How much time do I have? Okay, read. Okay, check my Bible thing you know okay i've done for the day off to the races but the psalmist is just like lord i'd rather spend one day just waiting upon you seeking your face than a thousand days doing whatever i want to do in the house of the wicked And there's a lot you can do in the house of the wicked right i mean it's endless for your options there but the psalmist says just give me one day in god's presence Well, the good news is we have more than one day. We have many days in his presence that we can be watchmen, watch women, watch people in the presence of the Lord at his door, waiting, looking to him to hear his voice. And he loves to speak to us. And that's the heart that God wants to develop within us in our spiritual journey. And it says, the Lord will become a sun and a shield for us. He'll give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from us if we make that our position in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in him in this way. And so we see a wonderful picture of this psalm. It's God's house of strength. And that we as his people set our heart upon his house. You know, how we see God developing a longing Something that we can cry out for, Lord, let there be a longing in my heart for your house of strength that I will focus upon you. Understanding that at times there'll be some seasons where we pass through the valley. In fact, we know there's those seasons of sorrow or tears when, we ha- when we're when we called to progress up the mountain, there's going to be a valley first and we have to meet God in that and dig a well. And receive life and strength, but that, but it's so that he can lead us to that mountain of strength yeah. in him, to a new level of strength. and you know it's not that we go that far down again. It's just there's another valley up there somewhere. It's just higher up because it's a new level. But as we do that, as we dig those wells, it's so that we can meet with him, establish a new flow, to wait upon him to an even greater degree, and hear his voice, hear his word, be transformed and experiencing the great blessing that comes upon those who trust in the living God. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises to us, and Lord, for your invitation. Lord, we want to be those who trust in you. Lord, those who set their eyes upon you Lord, do that work within us. Lord, would you just cause there to be a fresh longing in our hearts for your courts, Lord, for your presence and to gather together in your name and to seek you. Oh, do this work afresh, Lord. Give us grace to, to continue on through the valley of tears, oh God. Lord, would you just do a work in our lives. We invite you, Lord, to produce that balm of Gilead and to dig that well or to help us and aid us in digging that well that you could produce something beautiful in our lives and it would be beautiful for others, we pray. Do that work, we pray. We invite you, we thank you, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, the Lord bless you.